The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that pulls back the covers of history to expose the monsters underneath. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're celebrating Halloween with the hair-raising tale of one of the most dreaded werewolves in history. As a quick warning, though, today's episode includes descriptions of graphic violence and may not be appropriate for all listeners. The day was October 31st, 1589. Alleged werewolf Peter Stump was put to death in Bedborg, Germany. The 50-year-old farmer had confessed, under pain of torture, to having made a deal with the devil. Stump claimed he had pledged his immortal soul in exchange for the ability to turn into a werewolf. He also admitted to a series of gruesome killings he supposedly carried out while in wolf form. His lurid crimes were said to include the mutilation of countless livestock, as well as the murder of 16 women and children, his own son among them. Stump's execution proved every bit as brutal as the atrocities he was charged with, but given the content of his confession and the way in which it was obtained, the truth about his guilt is still uncertain. Although the Renaissance had already begun by the time of Stump's death, the light of reason was slow to dawn in many parts of Europe, and as a result, the old superstitions of the Middle Ages had lingered on. Between the 15th and 18th centuries, the continent was racked by famine, plague, war, and religious conflict. Those upheavals fed into people's long-standing fears about the supernatural, giving rise to widespread panics over witches and to a lesser extent werewolves. Accusations of shapeshifting were common throughout Europe, but most of them centered on witches and their familiars, usually a cat, a mouse, or a toad. Accusations of lycanthropy, 
or the ability to shapeshift into a wolf, were mostly confined to areas with wild wolf populations, like the forested regions of Germany and France. In those cases, public fears of prowling wolves gradually morphed into fears of demonic ones, and if a rabid wolf happened to attack someone's livestock or children, the rest of the community would immediately start to wonder if there was a werewolf in their midst. In 1589, Peter Stump became the target of such suspicion in the small city of Bedborg, not far from Köln. He lived there with his son, daughter, and mistress on a prosperous farm, which he had worked for decades. In recent years, there had been rumors of a wolf-like creature roaming the countryside near Bedborg, a story bolstered by the periodic killings of both livestock and humans. The mutilated, partially devoured remains of those victims were usually found in fields, often by a traveler who would then spread the story of the werewolf of Bedborg to other towns. There were several efforts to track and kill the creature over the years, but it managed to elude its pursuers every time. Then, in 1589, a hunting party finally managed to corner the wolf with their hounds. What happened next varies from one account to another. Some sources claim that one of the huntsmen was attacked by the wolf and managed to cut off its left paw before it got away. Then, soon after, Peter Stump appeared in town, missing his left hand, arousing suspicions that he and the wolf were one and the same. In fact, some sources claim that the name Stump was actually a reference to that telltale injury and that prior to the attack, he had been called Griswold. The most common version of the story, however, is that after being trapped by the villagers, Stump willingly transformed from wolf to man in front of them, so that they'd spare his life for the moment. He was then taken into custody and tortured, at which point he allegedly revealed the full scope of his crimes. The only written records of Peter Stump's trial and execution are a few salacious pamphlets and handbills that were circulated across Europe around that time. What little we know of Stump's life and death comes from those accounts, and they differ on a great many points, including whether his name was Stump, Stub, or Griswold. The longest and most famous of those works is a 16-page English pamphlet published in 1590. It purports to be a translation of a German work, but as of the time of recording, the original document has never been found. According to the pamphlet, Stump was interrogated while on the rack, a torture device used to slowly stretch a victim until their limbs popped from their sockets. It was under those conditions that he described his first encounter with the devil and how he had been gifted a magic belt to control his shape-shifting power. The English pamphlet described this fiendish process, explaining that whenever Stump put the belt around his waist, he, quote, was straight transformed into the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like unto brands of fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws, and no sooner should he put off the same girdle, but presently, he should appear in his former shape, according to the proportion of a man, as if he had never been changed. The pamphlet went on to describe the wicked deeds Stump committed in his wolf form, explaining that he, quote, took pleasure in the shedding of blood, and that after killing his victims, he would, quote, eat their hearts, panting, hot, and raw. 
The farmer claimed he had been killing for years, eventually taking credit for the murders of 13 children, two pregnant women, and one man. He reportedly relished being a secret werewolf and would sometimes pick out his next victims while strolling through town in the guise of a gentlemanly farmer. He would go through the streets, the pamphlet recounts, of Colne, Bedburg, and Apreth, in comely habit and very civilly, as one well known to all the inhabitants thereabout, and oftentimes was he saluted of those whose friends and children he had butchered, though nothing suspected for the same. Stump's guilt was based entirely on his own confession, even though it had been extracted under torture and the threat of more torture to come. Nonetheless, it was enough to satisfy the local court, and a few days later, on October 31, 1589, Peter Stump was put to death for being a werewolf. A large crowd gathered that day to watch what proved to be one of the most horrific executions on record. First, he was strapped to a wooden wheel, whereupon the flesh was torn from his body in ten different places with red-hot pincers. Next, his arms and legs were broken with the blunt side of an axe head, a precaution to ensure he couldn't rise from the grave. Finally, he was beheaded and his body burned on a pyre. Stump's mistress, Catherine Trompen, and his daughter, Beale, were also executed as accessories to the murders. They were each tied to a stake and burned alive, with Stump's headless body between them. After the executions, the wheel on which Stump's body had been broken was attached to a high pole and put on display in the Bedborg town square. On top of the wheel was the lifeless body of a wolf with Stump's head in place of its own, a warning to all would-be werewolves to stay out of Bedborg. The public and the pamphlets they circulated had condemned Peter Stump as a supernatural serial killer, a monster who had murdered and sometimes devoured his victims for the past two and a half decades. Today, some historians believe he may very well have been a killer, perhaps even one who is convinced he was a werewolf. Even if that's true, though, he was likely blamed for many local wolf attacks that happened during that period, so the true number of his victims would be impossible to determine. There's also the possibility that Peter Stump was completely innocent, that all of his victims were actually killed by real wolves, and he just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Another more sinister possibility is that the farmer was purposely framed for political or religious reasons. The 1580s had been a tumultuous time for the German Rhineland, with Protestant and Catholic factions fighting for dominance in the bloody Köln War. By 1589, the Catholics had won control of the Bedborg region, and the Protestant population there, including Peter Stump, found themselves living in enemy territory. In light of that, it's possible that he was singled out for his religious views and then subjected to a brutal trial to discourage his fellow Protestants from thoughts of rebellion. Although it's largely conjecture, that theory does find some level of support in the English pamphlet from 1590. It mentions that several representatives of the high aristocracy, including the new Archbishop of Köln, were present at Stump's execution. It's unlikely that members of the German elite would have attended a public spectacle like a werewolf trial, unless, of course, they were there to send a political message. Whatever the truth... Stump's execution was hardly an outlier. At least 300 werewolf trials were conducted in early modern Germany, 
And in France, more than 600 people were sentenced to die on accusations of being werewolves. And that was just within a three-year span. And as egregious as all that sounds, it's only a fraction of the tens of thousands of women who were executed for witchcraft in those countries during that same period. Somehow, amidst all the suffering and death wrought by disease and war, 16th century Europe managed to make baseless conjecture the most frightening threat of all. Happy Halloween, everybody. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can get in touch directly by writing to this day at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.